passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Guess who? It's John Pollock and it's waiting for the fourth night in a row hmm yes that's they right. all blend together after a certain amount of hours but way it never gets old tired uh talking to you oh is that so well thank yeah. you yeah. i i hope wait way has said the opposite actually he's finished shows and before like dude <laughs> that's enough pollock for at least 24 hours oh, i tell him to his face yeah yeah I it's do. very rude but i i have thick skin <laughs> after all the all this time how are you how was your monday how are you uh recovering from this weekend um, I mean, I I don't know. It still feels like it's part of the weekend, or at least like a work weekend, you know. So I, I wouldn't say things f- feel all that different yet. But um, it's a long yeah. weekend in the U.S. So true for, for right? some listeners, it still is the weekend, the the final hours of it before they return to whatever a non weekend entails on Tuesday. Still enjoying some really great weather, so took some advantage and you know had a nice long walk with the family. Did some uh, work in the, the the backyard. So yeah. Yeah, I spent it well. How about you? Yeah, you you got to start uh, gramming that that backyard of yours way. I think people would be impressed. Well, I mean, maybe my it's mostly my dad who puts in you know a lot of work. So maybe yeah. he should start an Instagram. We got a really nice. I don't even know who took it, but we got a really nice group photo when we were all at Way's place. It really oh. it was like everybody. Oh, in the I back. took that. I took that. you. You took that. Oh, because yeah. you're not in the photo. Mm-hmm. It uh, it really had the uh, like final scene of uh, like a Fast and the Furious kind of vibe to it. <laughs> oh, next Minus time the we Coronas. Can... There were no Coronas. Well, yeah, I was going to say next time we could bring the Coronas. Are you aware that in Fast and the Furious, that's not a product placement? They have just they really? just use Coronas. It's not a it's not like a sponsorship deal. Wow! So they don't get paid anything extra. Wow. Yeah, I, I and I think that continues, but it started as they just. I guess that was their beer of preference. But if I'm not mistaken, like, I don't think they've, it's ever changed. They've just. Goodness. So. Well, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe um, Dom changes his preferred brand of beer with, with the proper bitter. Really? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we it'll can become get some... a, a Molson Canadian guy. Maybe we could have a really high scale celebration with some Dom Perignon. Yes. Very good. We're going to get into all of the news, catch everyone up from the weekend, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Tony Khan's press conference and uh, others that spoke at the Double or Nothing press conference, which went into the the wee hours of Sunday night slash Monday morning, and thus uh, we could not uh, 
we could not chat with Brandon Thurston on the post show because it went so late. The press conference outlasted you and I, and we had a very long show on Sunday night. Yeah. Um, does it tell you that like at Forbidden Door, it's probably going to go just as long? Well, I've been on the fence about whether I should go to this press conference or not after the show. And I'm thinking if I do go to this press conference, I will come over to Real Sports and Braden will be the only one there. And he'll probably be horizontal at that point by himself. You you, you might be coming in like towards like 3 a.m. Like after after close. But that's not an exaggeration. Like it, at the very least for those covering those shows, like on the West Coast, I mean, it's it's still late, but it's much different on the east coast right yeah a lot of people might miss their trains oh yeah that's almost a guarantee Mm -hmm. so we will see but yes the forbidden poor the real main event of that weekend when aew comes to toronto we will be taking over real sports which is at 15 York Street, across the street from the Scotiabank Arena, where the pay-per-view is taking place. You can get your tickets now at postwrestling.com slash live. And a $30 ticket gets you access to our Q&A show that's going to be happening before Forbidden Door and hanging out with many listeners and many people from the post-wrestling community. And who knows what other guests that are coming in for this show that are making their way to real sports. And then as soon as Forbidden Door ends... Your ticket is good to get you back in for the after party hosted by MC Braden and Lowdown Davey P as they will be taking over wrestling karaoke and going until June 26th. Is that a new nickname um, that he told people about that I'm not aware of? uh, Rattled that off the top of my head. I don't even know. Lowdown Davey P. I love it. Sure. Okay. And there, so go grab your tickets. Uh, let's also give uh, a, a mention to, uh, to to Lowdown because he is going to be welcoming myself and Way later this week for the series finale of the Sesh. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear our, all of our thoughts on Succession, the series finale that aired on Sunday night, we will be with Braden later this week on the Poison Rana Patreon we'll, feed. We'll be we'll be with Davey actually. I don't think Braden's on these shows. Yeah, that's what I, I said. You said Braden. Oh, did I say Braden? No, no Braden. He's on season two. Yes. Uh, anyway, so uh, those guys also did their NXT Battleground review as well. So you can find that right now on our feed. Uh, but if you want to hear the sesh, I believe they'll be releasing this one for free on the Poison Rana feed. So go and subscribe for free to Poison Rana wherever you download your podcast. All right. Check out all of that great stuff uh, coming up this week. And uh, we will let you know what's uh, what's coming up. But uh, a heads up for all Post Wrestling Cafe members. Four shows this week for cafe members. So it's a great time to jump on board, support post wrestling. Uh, $6 gets you in the door and uh, a month of access. And this week we're going to be dropping a new show that we are debuting this Wednesday night, uh, which we will be doing throughout the duration of dark side of the ring season four. We are going to be doing rewind to dynamite like usual on Wednesday night at 10. And as soon as we're done the dynamite review, we're going to jump on over to the cafe and all members will get to hear us live review the Chris and Tammy episode, which debuts on Tuesday night covering Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch. And that will be our Wednesday night programming here at post wrestling. So looking forward Mm -hmm. to that with a season four. And as an add on to that, Evan Husney, the executive producer, co-creator of Dark Side of the Ring. He will be on with Brandon Thurston and I Thursday, uh, but the Cafe Fun continues that same day. We are going to have a review of NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2 
from 2016, headlined by Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura, an event that Way's going to be starting in about two and a half hours. Friday night, rewind to SmackDown. And then Sunday, it is Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord who will be reviewing Dominion, which we have the full card for, and we'll get to that momentarily. So a packed week on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So jump on board, and the fun never ends. Go start at 2017 and just binge through everything. Um, I, I, I recommend it. Yes. Let's get into the news. So over the weekend, uh, Brian Dixon, who was a really well-known wrestling promoter in the UK, uh, passed away. This is someone who spent over 50 years in the industry. He, he grew up as, as a, uh, a fan and actually started a fan club for Jim Brakes and ended up writing for some magazines and then became a referee for Oreg Williams and then started his own company, which was first known as Wrestling Enterprises and then would later become All-Star Wrestling. And so he began promoting when he was 22 years of age in October of 1970. And this would be sort of the rival to joint promotions, which was the big uh, company run uh, throughout the UK and on ITV. And All-Star, I mean, they had a lot of success through the use of uh, Haystacks Calhoun. And over the years, uh, people like Rollerball Rocco that would jump over there, Frank Cullen, Tony St. Clair. Um, and they eventually got on ITV right at the tail end when ITV was getting set they had been like joint promotions had been kind of the exclusive wrestling on itv for decades and it was the traditional saturday at 4 p.m tradition in in the country and then in 87 the wwf got on itv and so did all-star and within a year in 88 that's when itv canceled wrestling on the network and it led to kind of the dark days of uk wrestling and it's only in this generation that we've seen a revival of the scene but certainly a far cry from uh, the the peak in terms of popularity but uh, throughout this whole time like brian dixon would still stick around and he started promoting with Oreg williams and i'm sure you've seen many of the uh the posters over the years he would do some of these i'll be generous and call them tribute shows which would you would just take like WWF gimmicks and put them like with you would just change the spelling or just have guys dressed up as it was honestly like just trying to trick people into buying tickets to see someone play the rock and someone play Steve Austin. I mean, it's kind of comical, but also um, I guess you could also say very deceptive at the time. And the WWF lawyers uh, eventually found out about these and, and shut these shows down. But later, um, with this current generation, he had a big influence because he got the contract for the, the Butlins camps that a lot of your Brian Danielsons, your Colt Cabanas uh, went over and did. And these shows, I'm sure people have heard of them, but like Dixon would run this regular circuit um, and then in the summer months do these shows. And you were running like five times a week, and these were primarily aimed at children. So it was a great learning tool. And uh, William Regal, when he did uh, the Butlins camps, when he was coming up, uh, you know, he said this was like the greatest tool for him to learn that when his body was breaking down, it was like these were the tricks to get over with kids learning comedy and just couldn't recommend these enough. And he was kind of the impetus for Danielson to eventually go over there. He first went in 2003 and he was asked about this by Dave Meltzer at the press conference on Sunday and talked about 
you know, if, if he could have made more money, cause it was, it was very low paying. It was, you would have to fly yourself there and the pay was very low. But Danielson said he had the time of his life. And if he could make more money, he would have never left just doing these. He learned so much. He would be the American heel that would go over and be American dragon and just be the evil American with these kids and coming up with all these little tricks and things that I'm sure he probably loved doing that Saturday morning slam show because it was such a callback to this time of his career where it was doing this and it was doing it on a regular basis, like five times a a week. So anyway, that was a a little bit on Brian Dixon. He had been, you know, promoting up until like a year ago when he had kind of transitioned uh, like um, the the promotion over, but had a big influence. Uh, This is where Regal and Robbie Brookside were, were paired together. It was working for Brian Dixon and, you know, he, for 50 plus years, I mean, there are not too many promoters and companies for that matter that can claim that level of longevity. So a, a pretty, pretty significant figure in, in pro wrestling history, not just uh, UK wrestling. Uh, so rest in peace to uh, Brian Dixon. And if you want to hear more, Brian Danielson did uh, briefly talk about him at the press conference. Wait, did you get to see any of the double or nothing presser? I saw the Tony portion. I saw uh, uh, some of the I saw the NJF portion as well. Yes. Yeah, I, I I saw just about all of it. So the the main stuff was uh, Tony Khan was up for close to an hour. And the key things, uh, Brandon Thurston asked him about being paid for collision. And he confirmed they are being paid for collision. And this is in addition to what they're being paid for Dynamite and Rampage. But as he alluded to last week, it is the same timeline they are on with dynamite and rampage. So while this is a separate deal for collision, it all has the same length of time attached to it. But obviously this is a good thing that it means more money for the company because this is a a massive investment for AEW for another night of television to produce. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe that they would, you know, do a whole nother show uh, live on Tuesdays without getting paid. But I mean, it was nice to at least get that confirmation. Um, do so what is that date uh, that the uh, deal ends well it's they have like one more year from my understanding it's like the one year extension has to be exercised and that would take them into late 2024 would be the the the, the timeline of that providing this option right. is um exercised which i mean i can't see why it would not be so at what point would negotiations take place I would imagine like these rights are going to be up around the same time as WWE's rights. So you would think that negotiations would be happening now for something that's a year and a half ish out, um, whatever the exact end date is of, of the contract. So it's, it's going to make it very close with WWE and, and AEW's rights. But uh, again, and he had said this in the conference call last week, like it sounded like this came right from David Zaslav, but like requesting two more hours. And I, w- I mean, when you're talking about the head of Warner Brothers discovery, that this is at least on his radar as a priority. I mean, I, I don't know how you would take it as a negative sign. And a guy who's made a reputation for cutting more so than adding uh, is it tells you how valuable, you know, maybe relatively, you know, low, like affordable programming, I should say, like AEW is to their portfolio. And you're looking at someone that I, I've, raised this point in the past is you still have to program all of these networks regarding regardless of your cost cutting and is a David Zaslav preparing for a world that even if it's a limited NBA schedule uh, 
if if not outright losing the NBA. I mean, these are mm-hmm. I, I think they look at something like pro wrestling that in the grand scheme of things, like it costs money, but nowhere near uh, what programming uh, these nights would cost otherwise. And we do very well on Wednesdays. Can we make that um, a Saturday night property? And mm-hmm. if if you are looking at a, a significantly reduced NBA schedule after the uh, 2025 season, like we're getting years ahead of ourselves now. But if you have this big gap, like what does that mean for professional wrestling? If they sign an extension and moving shows to different nights, like they are going to have hours of prime time to fill if the NBA goes elsewhere or even if they have a, a reduced schedule. Rampage might have a regular time slot that doesn't shift. Let's let's not get wild, but it, very, very possible. Um, he could not address if CM Punk was going to be in Chicago, but uh, credit to uh, the person that did ask. And uh, Stephanie Chase asked about the potential of having additional shows in the UK, like doing a collision taping or something. And it would seem like they are not planning to do that, that All In will be their first UK event. And giving the updated figures that they're at about 65,000, and they have over an $8 million gate and state they are closing in on the UK record. And wouldn't you know it, Dave Meltzer had the numbers right there to inform Tony Khan, you've actually beaten the gate for Clash at the Castle. So there, Tony Khan uh, could confirm, okay, we have got the gate record now for the UK. Nice little live reaction to that news. Khan said that going into All In, he knew that they could beat 50,000 um, and thought by showtime they would top 60. So this above his expectations, but he was aiming high and I I think he should have been. But that was a hard one to look at All In and what what the level was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it turned out to be uh, great for them. And he hasn't even announced a card. No nor card. Who, nor who's going to appear. So you would hope that, uh, you know, we, I mean, the numbers are have kind of been at this level for a little bit. You'd hope that it would receive a, a significant boost once he announces the matches. Are you anticipating a, like, punk ripple effect once once that announcement is made, once that appearance is made on future shows? And for an all-in, do you see that being, being a boost? Or are you looking at this all-in as, this is this is close to what, people are going to be like what your ticket buying public consists of now until maybe that week. Yeah. My, my feeling is um, maybe, maybe you can squeeze in 10 more like in there, like, you know, 10,000 more in there, like maybe, you know, given um, a significant level of buzz attached to the card, attached to the participants, maybe closer to the week of, um, I, I feel like a lot of people who are watching AEW are already going to this thing. They've already got their tickets. How much more can they really boost this up? Um, but you know, the ripple effect I think will be really interesting to see if if it affects any of the collision dates that are out there right now. I would be certainly looking at those uh, for for sure. Once, and I think there's still some of that. I mean, we, we saw what the the Chicago advances right now for the United Center at around six thousand. So that's that's what it means today, and. Mm-hmm. They've got a long way to, to fill that building, but six is six is fine, but it is not to me. You would want to be doing several thousand more to justify a United Center for six thousand in a building that can hold 14 to 15. Right. He uh, Tony Khan also mentioned he's hopeful of getting Jushin Liger to come over for the Owen Hart tournament, which he didn't say to wrestle. Um, no, it would be to wrestle. I, I mean, the man hasn't had a match. He's retired. It, well, that's what he's just going to come over and to be watch? part of the ceremonies. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Can wear a fedora. 
Um, is <laughs> he can, Jason he, Liger going to get a little bit gangster? He's going to get a bit gangster. I think yeah. so. Uh, Martha Hart presented that hat to Tony, and yeah. Tony seemed to feel like, like, okay, okay sure. Oh, you want me to wear this o- on the pay-per-view? Okay, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> uh, he mentioned uh, they they did ask about kind of the thought process of not putting the title match on last, and um, we were – uh, talking about this last night and yeah we, we failed to mention like the stadium stampedes did close the shows in 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021 and it seemed to be it, it didn't seem as though this was like this foregone conclusion for tony khan but he was giving examples like it's not every single time the title has closed the show right. i also didn't see this as by the end of it i i saw two phenomenal matches and mm-hmm. I, I just didn't see that the placement as like a big thing but it was you know certainly i am I would imagine those four probably went into that match with like a, a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I don't think that's unhealthy either to have your talent in those positions where they go out and they want to prove the the promotion wrong that, hey, look, we're going to go out there and put something on spectacular that no one can follow. I, I don't even look at that as a I look at that as just healthy competition among your performers to, to have that. Mm hmm. And he has not decided on any locations for next year's pay-per-views. Seems uh, open to the idea of perhaps they they go elsewhere next year, but does like staying at at T-Mobile. And he has a very good relationship with Bill Goldberg, has talked to him, but won't say what they've spoken about. And unknown about the status of future seasons of All Access. So uh, this was a very, um, I would say, more... uh, relaxed uh tony khan it was uh other than the like cm punk and location of all out we didn't get any of like the dodging tony khan of just having to maneuver around uh questions like he seemed in overall good spirits and i wouldn't say there was too much like um you you could hear bits and pieces where i think he said you know he alluded to going back and he'll rewatch certain things, but it wasn't as though he was being pressed about this being you know a, a pay per view that up until those last two matches certainly had it, its degree of criticism and and justified I, I think as well like that to me was a, a lower than usual AEW pay per view up until the last two and I think those last ninety minutes are going to be the lion's share of what people remember about this show. Yeah, he seemed to react to it pretty favorably. Um, and, you know, when you're kind of deep into it, producing it, you you probably aren't necessarily aware of, you know, um, what the public sentiment might be. Um, to him, it probably might have been a, a very legitimately good show. Um, but I would say the day after, it seems like a lot of the buzz surrounding the show is that it was one of the weaker AEW shows, not counting the final two matches, nor that Battle Royal. I did watch Battleground, and Battleground was a, a pretty good show on a night where they were just totally overshadowed. But I would say, not not going through everything here, because you can listen to Braden and, and Davey's review, but the triple threat match with Wes Lee, Tyler Bate, and Joe Gacy, really solid stuff. In particular, Wes Lee and Tyler Bate, who were uh, terrific in this match. I mean, Wes Lee and Tyler Bate, to me, would be... Um, very high on, on the list of people you would be looking at kind of that that next class uh, to, to get uh, the call-ups. But this was just a really fast-paced, solid match involving these two. Even even Gacy is sort of the uh, just kind of the base for, for these two. Ended with uh, the cardiac kick to Gacy in the ring and Lee retaining the title in 12 minutes. So he's now had the most North American title defenses. Noam Dar defeated Dragon Lee to keep the Heritage Cup. So for those that were not watching NXT UK, the Heritage Cup, it consists of six three-minute rounds, and it's two out of three falls. And then if a fall occurs, then the round ends, and you go to the next one. And I can understand um, 
they love their round systems as this uh this uh, nod to, uh, to to British wrestling. I think this would have been significantly better as just a match rather than the round system. And the ending uh, was an angle to, I guess, set up a new group for Noam Dar because he had Oral Mensa in his corner. And the ending saw Jakara Jackson run down to distract the referee so that Lash Legend could take the spit bucket in the corner and nail Dragon Lee with it. So, uh, Noam Dar hits the Nova Roller and pins pins Dragon Lee and wins it uh, two falls to one, retaining the Heritage Cup. And now these four seem to be a group uh, coming out of this show. So we will see how that goes. Dijak and Ilya Dragunov had a last man standing match, and these two destroyed each other. This this was there were a lot of violent matches this weekend, and I wouldn't say this was the most violent, but it was a very very uh, intense match. Ilya Dragunov is just I don't know what this dude's blood pressure is for uh, matches, much less his promos. But this dude always looks like that vein in his head is going to just pop one of these days. He is so um, intense. And he got his face busted open in this match. They did some uh, spectacular stuff together. Coast-to-coast dropkick to the steps into Dijak. And it ended with uh, the big Ilya smash off the steps into the face of Dijak. And he didn't get up. 1555, just a a great match. Most people had this pegged as the match of the show. And I think that would be um, a a very fair uh, grading of this one. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang retained the tag titles against the Creeds. Decent match, but really not following the last one. And Gallus, um, this was after Ava shoved Ivan not, Ivy Nile into the post. And then with Julius distracted, Gallus hit their finisher to the retain the titles. Uh, Lyra Valkyria and Tiffany Stratton. This was a good match, although these two, it was like Tiffany Stratton, she is improved a lot but you can still see like the the, the smoothness is is not there they they had some uh hiccups in this match but overall it was well received by the crowd that took this as a serious match it went 16 minutes with uh stratton stopping a sunset bomb with a rana and then into a rolling fireman's carry and hitting the prettiest moonsault so she is your new nxt women's champion valkyria did a very good job selling the knee that they set up on television that she was going in injured and then the main event was Carmelo Hayes retaining the NXT title against Braun Breaker. Uh, they only went 14 minutes, and it was a fine match, but I, I thought like uh, a step or two below their match over WrestleMania weekend. And uh, the, the one, the craziest spot that they did, and they had done this on television, was Hayes doing the, uh, the, the springboard reverse cross off the middle rope, and he gets killed in midair with this spear. And this one, the one on television looked great. This one looked like Carmelo Hayes was uh, cut in half. It was unreal at the velocity that he took this, this midair uh, spear. And Breaker has been a great heel in this run since just flipping over, and it has taken him no time to pick up this heel persona but uh Hayes came back uh after the spear with super kicks springboard DDT and then nothing but net to retain the title and after two wins over Braun Breaker it would certainly make you wonder what the future is for Braun Breaker he to me he's done very well since turning uh heel and if they are like we can look at Raw Raw desperately needs heels on on that show and maybe Braun Breaker is somebody that they they look at for sometime this summer because I don't know how much more there is at this point. Like, the Carmelo Hayes feud would be over. This was a totally clean win, and you've got the two wins now. 
Yeah. Um, sort of like awkward timing, I suppose. Or maybe they were delaying it so that they could get this one more match out of him before doing it. But you do have like a lot of people a lot, on both yeah. shows that you're trying to build up from scratch as well. So mm, I, I probably wouldn't see it until maybe after a SummerSlam. But even then, how many NXT guys that just got called up would you have established by then? Yeah, I mean, they're doing a pretty good job with several of them right now. But yeah, it, it does become a numbers game. Like Grayson Waller, they barely even got started yet. So, I mean, it's it's a long list. Of, and there's some that were drafted that haven't even got onto television yet or just very minor roles on top of it. I'm just, I, I'm just curious, do they have him do one more program as, as a heel? Um, I just, I, I can't imagine him having a, I, I would say the time is limited that he's got left in NXT at, at this point. And, and he should be up at this point. I don't know how much more he's improving at this level. And uh, we'll wrap up with New Japan because uh, the ratings are delayed because of Memorial Day. Uh, but Master Wato won the Best of the Super Juniors tournament on Sunday. And this was a phenomenal match uh, with Teton. He did not uh, renounce his name or cut off his hair, but there's time. There is time for him to do all of this. And after this match, he I never want to hear the name Master Watto again. I just want this guy to just uh, this was a career revival tournament uh, for Master Watto. And this match, they went 24 minutes and 48 seconds. The heat was incredible. They were at Oda Ward City Gym and had about uh, 3,300 or so in attendance. And it felt like a big New Japan main event with this crowd. They were so heated and the the athleticism between these two like they went all out here you had Hiroshi Tenzon in Watto's corner um, just cheering him on uh, Teton who's won most of his matches with the Yave Immortal applied it at the 20 minute mark and there's this huge struggle as Watto is trying to get to the rope and Tenzon is just urging him to get to the rope and Watto won't let him lock the fingers to complete the submission just a great sequence as he reached the ropes and then after these uh Teton hits a double foot stomp for this amazing near fall. The crowd is just having these tremendous reactions. And then after the spinning roundhouse kick, Master Watto hits the Sutenkaku German suplex, which is his uh, bridging German he's been using all tournament long. And then essentially his finisher here, which I'm not going to butcher the name. It's this elaborate crucifix bomb that just looks outstanding. Uh, Wins it in 24 minutes and 48 seconds. Honestly, this... There was some phenomenal wrestling this weekend, and this is certainly in the uh, discussion for match of the weekend. And that's not it's it's rather crazy when you think about the wrestling um, over these past couple of days. And this one might have been at the top or at least in that discussion. So I would I would certainly recommend uh, the final. And now Master Watto goes to Dominion next Sunday to challenge uh, for the IWGP junior heavyweight title against Hiromu. I think he wins. I I would seriously consider the the title change. Yeah, he's got all this momentum coming out of this tournament. I I would be to, and they're second from the top underneath Sonata and Yota Suji. So I could certainly see Master Wato winning this, which I could not have imagined stating at the beginning of this tournament that we'd be looking at Master Wato winning this tournament and potentially winning the title a week later. Um, but the Dominion card they put out the whole lineup for. Uh, yeah, so this is Sonata and Yota Suji in the main event, the junior heavyweight title, uh, second. And then underneath that, we have Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii defending the never openweight six-man tag titles against John Moxley, Shota Umino, and they have revealed Claudio Castagnoli going over to New Japan as the BCC member that will be representing them. David Finley against El Fantasmo for the never openweight title. 
It is now a three-way for the vacant IWGP tag titles and strong openweight tag titles with Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi against Evil and Yujiro, and they have added Aaron Hanare and Great Okan. So this could have ramifications on Forbidden Door with the winners uh, possibly taking on FTR. Zack Sabre Jr. takes on Jeff Cobb for the TV title. Kushida and Kevin Knight against Francesco Akira and TJP, which uh, should be very good. Uh, and then we have Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Doki, and Takamichinoku against Naito, Shingo, Teton, and Bushi. And the opener sees Will Ospreay take on Lance Archer and the winner getting the U.S. Uh, heavyweight title match with Kenny Omega at a date to be determined. So quite the tournament. And they're going to announce the participants for the G1 on this show on Sunday. Mm, okay. Karen and Bruce will be reviewing it at the Post Wrestling Cafe. Yes, Sunday. they will have a show up on Sunday. What is your thought on the G1 in terms of AEW involvement this summer with the addition of Collision? Mm, probably a, a little less likely at this point. I mean, unless you're talking about maybe a Lance Archer who doesn't seem to have much booked um, ever in AEW. Uh, so, you know, he seems like he's as much of a New Japan guy now as ever. Um if I, I was Tony Khan, I would not be letting anyone of significance going over there. No BCC members, I don't think, are doing anything like that. I, um, I wouldn't be. And as much as I would love to see any of them in the Even Yuta, I think, is pretty valuable right I now. I think it's all hands on deck way, like for mm-hmm. these two shows. And ROH. I, and ROH. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. I I just it, – it's funny because with this tease of, like, the, Moxley stating we're going to have a BCC member, of course, everyone is thinking Danielson, and then they announce Claudio, but at least it gets all your, your fans thinking about Danielson in New Japan, but I just, mm-hmm. I, I could not fathom that one. Couldn't. Not this Not year. even for a match? Oh, for a match? Yes, I'm saying for the G1. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't really G1. see it ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, but, you know, I think Claudio in New Japan is, like, feels like it should be a big deal. Swiss. Swiss, that's right. So there you have it. It looks like a really good card on Sunday. New Japan has been doing some, like their booking has been very fun this year because they're taking a lot of chances and trying to make new people. And it's it was cool to see that with Master Wato coming out of this tournament. Um, and the last thing is, uh, what was I going to say? We went over the schedule already, so we, mm-hmm. we really don't need to. But um, yes, check out all of our shows this week. Every last one of our shows. They're going to each one will be tremendous. Each one will be better than the one before. It will be. Yes. A hundred percent. Tonight, Raw was at the MVP arena in Albany, New York. And this was going against game seven of the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics, as well as uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and Dallas Stars. So mainly the the NBA game, uh, that's going to do a monster. So that is uh, that that was some big basketball to contend with. Starting off the show is Seth Rollins and a bit of a nod to his shield days coming through the crowd with his title as he uh, this crowd. They were really hot in particular for this first hour and for Rollins. They were singing. There was a huge pyro celebration for Rollins. And he says that finally Raw has a champion that wants to be here and is ready to fight. And who comes out? AJ Styles. He got the the hall pass. And he explains, I know I'm on SmackDown, but I had to come here to congratulate you and said, I gave you my all. And it's like you knew what I was going to do. And you won and said, you don't deserve anything. You've earned the right to be champion. And they shake hands. The judgment day interrupts this as Balor says he's about to vomit. And they run raw. And after seeing the bloodline crumble, they don't just run raw. They run the WWE. 
And Balor brings up that they beat Owens and Zayn, something that Roman Reigns couldn't do. So Ripley says one of them is going to beat Rollins for that title. Styles and Rollins laugh at the idea it could be Dominic beating him for the title. And Dominic points out, hey, AJ, I beat you. JJ did not have a comeback for because he, in fact, did. And they set up a tag match for later tonight where two members of the Judgment Day will take on AJ and Rollins. And we will find out right before the match starts which two will be in the main event. And I thought this was like an interesting way that they were kind of dangling the idea of Rhea Ripley being in in this match. Right. Um, She... I mean, I think so much of her character is just like, I could beat up the women, I could beat up the men, so you should be afraid of me. I mean, it really is, it, I don't think you'll, you you do see intergender matches, but I, you don't really see all that much. Um, this is this is Nick Khan about uh, getting a little more adult in the uh, third hour. Oh, okay, maybe intergender, so what, like, you can have, the women can hit, or, or like, the men can do offensive maneuvers on the women in the third hour? As As Nick Khan would say, great question. <laughs> Great question. We would like to think that that 10 p.m. Eastern hour could be a little more gangster. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought the segment gave good focus on the new champion, Seth Rollins, here. Made him feel like really the the principal character of this entire show. Uh, and for a championship that I think a lot of people are s- still going to struggle to see as the real championship, that's about as much as you can do. He was super over on this show. So you can ask more for the, this crowd. Adam Pierce is on the phone with who we're presuming is Triple H, but he's the, uh, the the unnamed higher power. Maybe it was Vince. It could have been as well. That's right. Maybe and it was um, uh, Ari. Could you imagine? Well, whoever was on the other line, their role was to talk about how stupid this is and how this makes no sense with a brand split. And t- Adam Pierce is defending it. Say, I know this flies in the face of what we're trying to do and splitting the rosters. That was his verbiage, not mine. And he meets with Rollins and AJ. And um, it, it was very evident. Like, they are still trying to keep Rollins with the like the comedic slant and, if anything, overdoing it uh, for certain parts uh, tonight as well. But the match is made official for later. So we're going to get an interpromotional t- team up tonight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um they really can't combat the NBA. They really can't help themselves, man. Um, it's not even been a month of this thing, and they're already going to this well. They are like more than realizing it themselves how ridiculous this makes their brand split seem. So they're doing segments like this to at least provide some semblance of red tape that needs to be, you know, um, what do you do with red tape? You cut it, peel it off, peeled off in order to get to this match. So they're at least showing that it's a it's this is not supposed to happen, but we're Even you know though it happens every week. Yeah, but I think moving, it's happened every week since we're the moving draft. heaven and earth to to get this special AJ Styles match on on Raw. You you would think that if this draft like would logic have not dictated that maybe we wait till after the most competitive time of the year for us when we're going up against all these playoff games and we want all hands. I don't think like, they want to shackle, like even if they committed to it, they would not be able to stick with it. Cause the moment that there's any sort of significant competition or they need a boost, you're, you're, they're going to want to do something like this. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, 
If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The first Money in the Bank qualifying match is The Miz against Ricochet. And Ricochet kicks off the post, moonsaulting him to the floor. We have Miz. Miz did a Rana in this match. Mm -hmm. He did a springboard, which if you weren't sure, he confirmed by screaming, I springboarded. He was yelling this. I springboarded. Kevin Patrick then threw out this stat. Are you aware, Wade? The Miz has won 20 titles in WWE. Name them. I'm not going to, but 20 titles. I mean, I could believe that he's been around. Oh, I, I don't doubt that's the real number, but I mean, my God, I, how just, long has he been in the company at this point? 2005. So 18 years. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good average, you know, one point title a year titles a year. Over. Okay. Yeah. Believable. Ricochet avoids a skull crushing finale. And then there's Miz with the lung blower. Off the turnbuckle. It's like Miz maybe ordered double or nothing last night. He watched that four-way. And then goes for a DDT, gets a two-count, and then we get Ricochet with his own back-spinning heel kick and a Aussie DDT followed by the shooting star press, and he pins the Miz in eight minutes and 48 seconds. Oh, maybe maybe the Miz was auditioning for uh, that G1 announcement on Sunday. <laughs> maybe he was. Maybe he was. I thought this was a good match. You Miz, know? Miz was like... Certainly, like I, I thought, Ricochet was the standout, but Miz was uh, Miz was trying to have like as much of a Ricochet match as he could have here, which I found to be a really interesting wrinkle. I mean, the guy who I think has often been rightfully criticized as being the safest, uh, you know, and depending on how you want to look at it, that's good and bad. Being the safest worker, the one who takes the, the least amount of risk on the entire roster, the man who exemplifies maybe all that is bad about WWE style. The guy decided to do some aerial offense you know to to change things up because he was facing the guy kind of known for doing the complete opposite in the ricochet so it was novel for that reason and it resulted in me getting engaged in what was i think a pretty good dependable wrestling match this is brilliance on his part because he he's going to get a pat on the back for a springboard a lung blower and a rana well could you imagine if hulk hogan like you know dove off like jumped off the top rope yeah we'd go nuts Trish Stratus comes out, and man, she had this bruise on her face, and it was so discolored. At first, I was like, is this like a makeup job? But it was like, dude, it was like this bruise, because they weren't even calling attention to it until Zoe Stark came out. Um, but man, she must have... That, that's a tough place to get a bruise like that. Like, yes. What could have happened here? Like, she took a knee or something? Um, uh, it must have been something in the match, and then looked like maybe a bit of makeup to try to, like, you know, um, maybe at, at least hide, like cover some, some portions around it, but yeah. It it, it 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 kind of like really added to this heelish character, right? You know, it's like a scar that like she kind of has to live with. By the way, like what about her outfit here? Okay, it's the same outfit that she wore in Jeddah. It felt that- like her and Becky got off a plane and came out for this segment. It could have been that, yeah. They went straight from the ring to the plane and onto Raw. Except how you can tell it's a different, uh, it, it's the non-Jetta version is that uh, Trish, of oh, course. Oh, you're right. You're, zips, zips it down <laughs> to reveal the cleavage. So the, we're, that's we're back in America. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she comes out and cuts this promo. And man, these, it seems like the what chants are very specific for, for Trish. And to a degree, mm-hmm. they extended to Zoe here because. 
I know they happen occasionally to, to others, but it's consistent with her. Do you think it's just like the cadence of Trisha's promos? Like she is getting these longer. Well, it's like Seth certainly didn't get them in the opening segment, and he had a long talking segment. I, I think Trish still has to, something to prove to this audience. I mean, you no, know, for one thing, she's a heel. Um, but I, I, I don't know if she's um, maybe as um, respected, uh, at least you know, for this current version of her just yet. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> get into the mind of an audience that chance what? And I, I can't necessarily. I think they're beginning to stick with her. Like the audiences are learning. Like this is the promo segment we but, want for. But Trisha has just done a great job of not reacting at you all. You just have before. to, dude. Stephanie was great. You, you just power through them. And there's a way you just don't give that opening. Like there's ways mm-hmm. around it, or you just power through it. So and, and they'll dissipate eventually. Oh yeah, wait. I've been saying no, that for, for her two I mean. years. Oh, okay, okay. I yeah. thought you meant the what chance in in. General. Oh, they'll be here forever. They'll all I live, mean, all of us. My God. Yeah. So she says she didn't need help, but somebody offered to help, and it's someone who reminds her of herself and brings out Zoe Stark, who has her own thank you Trish shirt, and a lot of heat for these two. Like they were getting a lot of booze from this crowd. Mm-hmm. Starks puts over Trish. And Stark asks Stark asks about the bruise, and before Trish can uh, explain, she gives a warning to Becky if she shows up. And with that, Becky comes out in her uh, in her bride outfit from Kill Bill, and she says she is going to ruin Zoe's life, and she wants a rematch with Trish, noting that they're both in their gear. And Stark is sent to go attack Becky, and she throws Zoe into the barricade. Loud Becky chants, and Becky goes after attacking Trish. When Stark returns and it's a two-on-one beatdown, they're stomping uh, Becky, and then she is hit with the Z360, and Trish pulls out, well, she has her Hall of Fame ring on and nails Becky in the face with this. And like she's out, and then Trish decides, uh, Zoe goes to put the Thank You Trish shirt on top of Becky, mm-hmm. and Trish is like, no, let's put it on her. And dude, Becky comes to life. She did not want this T-shirt put on top of her. And she is like, she is like completely conscious now fighting her off. So then they just settle with laying it on top of Becky. But it was like this weird, like she just refused to have this shirt placed on her head and then played dead as they put it on top of her. Interesting. So you think she was like actively struggling to get her I don't know. It's like she just took the ring shot. So you would think she'd be out cold. And then all of a sudden she's like completely not allowing them to put this t-shirt on her, but would allow them to just drape it on top of her. I don't know. Maybe I was just bored watching this and reading into it, but uh, it was a heated segment though. Like they really booed Trish. I, I like Zoe's addition to this and yeah, I, I Becky got a great response too. I thought this was really good. I, I think, you know, to me seeing this week, I think heel Trish has finally arrived. I think over the past month, she's worked out a lot of those kinks. And tonight I thought she felt very comfortable as a heel. And I'm really starting to enjoy watching her. Um, I thought Zoe Stark came out here and sounded great as well. Like main event ready, you know, or sorry, main roster ready as, as really anybody could be uh, in NXT. She's got a lot of personality in her voice. And I think she offered some good logic for joining up with Trish Stratus. I think these two are a good pairing. And um, I'm loving Trish's like, ring gimmick i mean yes it's the uh you know whole mjf thing but i mean it's shit it, it works uh got some good heat on becky here and opens the door for becky to pair up with somebody else in all of this and trish did all of this in heels yes yeah she had to do this whole physicality in in, in heels as well mm-hmm. in this year took on big body hobby and matt hardy 
Excuse me? This is Kevin Ventura Cortez. He's an NIL guy they signed last year. Can you pull up? This guy was uh, Oh, my God. You're right. This guy got into a fight with, like, 1999 and uh, lost. And this was his gear that he was given. He's got, like, you know, the Valora shirt. Um, Yeah, totally. Harvey, no. (laughs) I mean, look at this. This is right out of, like, 1999 Hardys. That would be a really fun gimmick. Just, like, jobbers dressed up as, like... Gimmicks from the past. like other people from the past It'd be awesome well it wasn't a very long night for uh for for matt and javi they destroyed bernal after uh cortez was booted to the floor and then they chokeslammed bernal onto cortez and hit their finisher in a minute 16 so um probably a good six months of these matches before we move on to the next level within this year yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's their playbook with any sort of like heel big man you know just like all these squash matches um Nothing wrong with them, but really nothing all that special. And there's certainly no guarantees that these guys will get over because they've done this with a lot of people and they've just kind of been forgotten afterwards. So we'll see what they can do to to feel special. Well, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn felt very special because they came out and this crowd, they just want to sing. And they just are singing Sami Zayn's song as they come out. And these 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 two just feel like giant stars here and they'd state they're feeling pretty good after watching the bloodline crumble. It was the worst night of Reigns' life and Reigns deserves everything that he got says Reigns may, might be the greatest, but no matter what, he'll always have to look at the two of them and know that we won Imperium interrupt and Owens blows a gasket stating they broke the unwritten rule that you do not interrupt a promo segment unless they name drop you and last week we said your name fair game but this week we didn't even bring you up uh and he did this a lot more animated than i did as zane has to calm him down zane mentions that tonight imperium you guys have a match with american alpha a a mistake we've all made but he quickly corrected himself to (laughs) alpha academy and then they started making fun of kaiser owens called him slender man and then they donned uh, the the term baldy for Giovanni Vinci. Mm-hmm. They s- spoke about how the bald guy never speaks at all. No. And they led a chant of baldy. Which is- and this crowd was more than happy to engage in this chant for baldy. Kaiser then goes to speak and they are cut off by a giant shoosh as Gable has appeared with the new and improved Alpha Academy. So Maxine and Gable are no longer fighting for control of Otis. They are sharing him, and Maxine's just a babyface now. Yeah, they just all seem to be on the on the same page. No tease of tension. I mean, that's what last week's segment was He's for. He's no I longer a troll, an undersized troll. Remember all the insults she was. Oh yeah, you're saying? right. They, yeah. They're through all that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And so they come out, and Owens and Zayn get gable to do his uh thank you and they love hearing him say thank you in his funny voice and the crowd popped for this so alpha academy takes on ludwig kaiser and giovanni vinci with owens and zane on commentary which meant kevin patrick and Corey graves pretty much took the match off and at one point just said we're just listening to the manning cast here and maybe this is what nick Khan was alluding to this will be our (laughs) our uh our peacock simulcast of raw hosted by Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, because these two, they were very entertaining. I don't know if I would want this for three hours, but they were very funny together. I mean, I think that's a really novel idea, you know, to just have alternate commentary with some wrestlers for something other than this, uh, the broadcast. I think we're going to get these two together. I can't remember 
like Owens would always do commentary, but I can't remember these two together. And I think that they will like these two should do like a match every week. I think it would be something to it gets their presence and it this gets them over as much as any of the endless tag matches we get of them in a loop with all the same guys. So I really like having these two on commentary for this. So Valhalla appears out of nowhere and just chases Maxine to the back after Maxine throws a kick. So that was the end of Maxine and Valhalla. And there's a chant of Baldy and Zane is encouraging it. Graves calls this mystery science theater. Owens doesn't get the reference as Zane explains to him American TV. And Vinci pulls down the rope. Otis crashes to the floor and that leads to the Imperial bomb and they pin Gable in 516. Yeah, a good match. You know, um, I paid attention more to the commentary than the match, which maybe that's a negative, but they were very entertaining. It seems like they're heating Imperium uh, back up for uh, uh, Owens and Zane. And uh, I thought the judgment day, they've got multiple opponents lined up. So, yeah, Judgment Day, you know, in the opening promo did remind us that they beat Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, although maybe that's London. Well, the result of the main event tonight kind of makes that a little bit confusing. You know, they lost the main event tonight. And I I mean, does that simply have no stakes because AJ is a that's how you get a SmackDown guy in WWE? <laughs> I guess so. But sure. Like, but Imperium but Natalia also- just got blitzed. And she's got a Money in the Bank qualifying match next week. It's a very good point. Very good point, John. But, you know, they're concurrently building to Imperium versus Zayn Noens uh, and the Judgment Day at the same time. And it looks like Alpha Academy versus, uh, what is it, the Viking Raiders still brewing as well. And Maxine versus Valhalla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kathy Kelly interviews Raquel and Shotzi. Bailey and Sky come in and state they're dedicating this win to Dakota Kai. And then they warn Shotzi that she could end up just like Liv Morgan. It's like, your partner's injured too. So I don't know if that's (laughs) quite the insult. And Raquel says Bailey is the only one of the three to not have won a title since forming Damage Control. They've really cooled off this week, maybe the week prior as well, on the Eosky Bailey sort of he, uh, rivalry, you know? I'm sure the Dakota Kai injury has thrown a wrench into those plans, and maybe well, yeah. by necessity, these two are part of this tag division for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, because you're right. They've certainly downplayed the the tension, the dissension. It still lingers, um, and you wonder if, if they're just delaying it, but, I mean, you know, or maybe because of Dakota, they wanted to keep these two as a tag team a little bit longer. I don't know. It is the fatal four-way to determine the new women's tag champions, Raquel Rodriguez and Shotzi, Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green, Bailey and Io Sky, and in their red and white, or I should say red and black judo geese, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. Green is initially like begging to tag out after she's thrown around by Raquel, and Shotzi then delivers a suicide dive through Raquel's legs. Shotzi is always scary to watch because it it's like a um it's like you're riding your bike with a loose wheel and it's like you're just hoping that it doesn't like at any point she can just crash and burn at, at certain points. She goes so fast and you just don't know what the the landing is going to be for some of these spots. It's kind of the style, right? You know, she's got a bit of like Jeff Hardy like Sabu in her. It, yeah, very much so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Baszler saves Rousey from a Tahana bomb. Um, so then she hits Baszler with one, but Baszler's not legal. So Rousey then executes a flying arm bar, goes to the mat. Bailey breaks it with an elbow drop. Green comes in and they're double teaming Rousey. And then Raquel is in and gets a near fall. 
Sky hits a springboard double drop kick to Green and DeVille, and then there's running knees to Raquel and Shotzi, who goes for the save, and we had a Tower of Doom spot executed by Shotzi. Shotzi then goes for the senton off the top, and Rousey catches her with an armbar upon landing, and boom, Shotzi taps instantly at 11 minutes and 39 seconds as Rousey and Baszler win the tag titles. Pyro celebration, and Corey Graves says that the forecast calls for internet tears tonight. <laughs> Whatever yeah, so means. so I mean, you figured this would have been the direction anyway with them taking the belts off of Raquel and Liv, um, if Liv was uh, healthy. Uh, but instead, they did this on TV and then got us to the same point. So the rest of the division is going to chase these two, and I think Ronda holding the championships. Uh, you know, she's it's it's some of the most star power you've had for these tag team titles. Um, more so than Bailey. This is a good role for Ronda Rousey. I think she's had a very rough year, and I think that this tag run could be something needed for her. She's playing off of uh, Shayna Baszler, and this for for WWE side, this gives you the flexibility to put Ronda on both shows as well. Yeah, you set up a very dominant tag team for everybody else to chase, and you have at least some tag teams that are you know coming up here. In uh, they aired a video package earlier for Chance and Carter. Of course, you have uh, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn as well on the other side. And, uh, you know, who, who Raquel and blank, you know, she's you got to build up some teams. I, I don't know if we have uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that big rivalry for Rousey and Baszler quite right. yet. Right. Dolph Ziggler versus J.D. McDonough. So McDonough just destroyed this guy. He this was snaps- the match we were supposed to get last week, right? Like they, they didn't they announce this at some point? Um, I'll take your word for it. Um, can't say I thought about this match at all this week if they had announced it. Uh, snaps Ziggler's throat on the rope, and then he like does almost like a judo throw, dropping Ziggler on his shoulder. And Ziggler is sent over the desk, and he runs him into the steps and just continues to beat on him. They're both counted out in a minute 17, and he just stomps on Z- Ziggler's head on the steps and tells Ziggler, you will remember my name. So... Nothing better than a, a multi-match program here that we're going to get over over Raw. Was this his first Raw match? JD? No, no. I think he. I think he had a match a few weeks ago. The the week he was uh, he was teased with with Balor watching him. Okay. Um. So I I just don't know. You know, let's say it's your it's his first match. Oh, he was in the Battle Royal. Remember he was in the Battle Royal? Yeah, that's what he, it was. He lost that. Okay. He basically lost this one as well so you're not doing too well jd mcdonough i mean this was all about i mean mcdonough just destroyed this guy but he he like willingly got himself like counted out which i i just think is always a bad look for anybody especially a guy who's just debuting so what's what was the point here just to attack the guy i think so i think they're just trying to get why didn't he do it in the back should are doing like should people just not care about wins and losses i think they just want to give this guy sort of a was this a good way to debut a guy? I, I didn't have a big problem with this. It's just he's going to destroy Ziggler on TV. He's going to get his win. And it's just trying to add something to this character. Like he's this maniacal. Why, what's the point of destroying him? He could just keep, you know, keep getting counted out. He's sadistic. He's sadistic. All right. Okay. All right. With a terrible record. Like oh and 500. He's, alu- he's, he's, he's going for that first win. Okay. That, that eludes him. Right. Cody Rhodes started the third hour. He's out in the sling and says he lost his match to Lesnar. And he was told by his colleagues he was foolish to fight Brock with one arm and not tap out. But tapping out is not the type of man I am. You're not a man if you tap out way. Isn't that what mm-hmm. they taught you in jujitsu? You're not a man 
Um, I don't think I don't think they were teaching manliness or anything like that. No, but he they were teaching be, teaching beastliness. Well, yeah, and uh, being barbarians. He mentioned Cena, stating never give up, but that's tough to do when you're in a Kimura for three minutes. He says Lesnar isn't here tonight. He's taking his annual vacation, so the only way I can address him is by looking into this camera and asks Brock, "Are you satisfied being one one?" So he issues an open challenge. And I Mm -hmm. want open house rules, Brock. (laughs) Dealer's choice. (laughs) And he wants a third match. And then he goes and he lists off all his like house show dates he's doing this month, which is noteworthy that it would sound like he's going on the road uh, and working this injury. Yeah, having very like similar styles of matches to I think what we yeah we watch, which is very different. Like this is it's not a, a typical WWE trend. Is like I think overall, like it means this storyline means something that you're going to do it on uh, the live events and, and stuff like that. Well, let's remember he'll have his EXO cast. Okay, that's so right. He'll be able to have at least some some semblance of like pretty long matches. In fact, so he puts over Brock's credentials and says he is beast enough to break my arm but not man enough to make me tap out mm-hmm. is that going to be the uh the tagline for the uh, next match who's uh, beast enough it's going who's on a man t-shirt enough? it's going on a t-shirt right now i bet yeah. this was gonna this was gonna be the original lyrics for that cheryl crow song <laughs> and are you beast enough to be my man yes <laughs> all right lesnar is a fr- he says lesnar is afraid of what can't be broken and Lesnar's afraid of Cody Rhodes. Hey, I thought this was a great promo, okay? I thought Cody came out here. Was it beast enough? It was beast enough, and it was man enough, okay? Made me tap out. I I think, you know, Cody just, like, he doesn't, like, he got, he's a guy who lost on the pay-per-view, but doesn't need to come back for any sort of rehab win or anything to regain momentum. All the man needs to do is talk, and... And that's it. This was like a great pure baby face challenge off of a result that he didn't, he was not satisfied with. And a great line, like, are you, be- you're beast enough to break my arm, but not man enough to make me tap out. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a money line already interested. Sign me up. Kathy Kelly interviewed Matt Riddle to discuss money in the bank and Gunther enters and he wants Riddle to cash in on him. And Riddle just had this look on his face, like, why would I do that? Uh, and Gunther explains, beating and humiliating Riddle would be fun. Uh, it would be fun. I'm sure the match will be a lot of fun. Then Kelly interviewed Rousey and Baszler. This was odd. She like She's looking in Rousey's direction, stating, how does it feel to be champions again? And Rousey explains, well, this is my first time. And Baszler's like, I've won it three times. So... Rousey did her her Ronda Rousey promo stating they are not here to cater to the fickle masses. And she, they have gone through everyone limb by limb. They're the baddest team on the planet and they're sick of being denied. They are the best. And Rousey said, puts her belt up and says, and these nuts prove it. Yeah. I had to rewind this. I'm like, I must've misheard that. She must've said belts. Right. And no, and these nuts prove it. Well, you're not allowed to say belts, but you can call them nuts. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I mean, uh, it was definitely a very forced attempt at working in these nuts into her promo, um, which is so uncommon for Rhonda to just uh, crowbar <laughs> a weird line into one of her promos. It's, yeah. it's usually so seamless. Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, fickle what? Fickle. The fickle masses. 
the fickle masses yeah fickle yeah masses. i mean i i i think her writing like whoever's been writing these promos is doing a pretty bad job of like writing for a rada rousey who should be anything but like i'm used to it by now i, I kind yeah. of enjoy it it's just like ronda being like crazy it's it's almost as though she's like a, a toned down jimmy snooker with these promos. so so unfortunately like you know months ago when she was doing initially starting her heel promos you had this sort of verbiage with just as bad delivery to match but i thought her delivery was really good here it was like strong stronger it like gave me hope and indicated to me that she must have been working on this in her time off because i thought she sounded fluid um i thought sounded a lot more natural than usual shinsuke nakamura and bronson reed money in the bank qualifier reed is going for a clothesline he's caught in an arm bar breaks out of that and then the tsunami gets stopped and Nakamura kicks out his leg, knees him in the ribs, and then there's a power slam by Reed. He goes for the tsunami again and misses, takes a knee to the back of the head, and a Kinshasa is hit, but Reed rolls to the floor. And then Nakamura does this leap off of the steps for this other strike, and Reed just stays there on the floor, gets in at nine, and is nailed with another Kinshasa, and Nakamura pins him. In nine minutes and 46 seconds. Very reminiscent of Nakamura Samoa Joe in 2016. Oh, lovely. Which we will be revealing on Thursday. Yeah. I thought this was a really good match. You know, these two. Have- I just thought it was a puzzling outcome. I just thought, like, if you were going to beat Reed, I did not think it would be in this type of a fashion where you get pinned by Nakamura. Hmm. Yeah, I was surprised too. I, Nakamura, I, th- I think, definitely felt like the underdog because they've been so protective of, of Reed, but they chose to. Uh, have Nakamura go into Money in the Bank with a pretty clean, decisive victory here. But the match I thought was like really good, and I haven't seen the Joe match yet. But I imagine um, Nakamura probably had very similar like ve- chemistry with you know a big man, uh, and it was just a lot of fun watching Nakamura here basically try to slay a giant. And Reed has been a fantastic giant. Re- Nakamura, you know, over the past like several matches, he really has looked reinvigorated over um, since he's come to Raw, and I I get the sense he's he's working hard, and these matches are stronger than his usual fare. So big win for him here, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in Money in the Bank. Saxton caught up with Judgment Day, and Ripley brags about beating Natalia. It's the reason she is not here tonight, and they are not going to tell Saxton which two are taking on Styles and Rollins. Video aired for Memorial Day, and next week, two more Money in the Bank qualifying matches. Becky Lynch will take on Sonya Deville, and Natalia takes on Zoe Stark. So that will be interesting if they... If you think they're getting Becky and Zoe Stark at the pay-per-view, if they end up losing these matches... Mm, yeah, very possible. Or if they decide to put them both in, like for for star power, I I think that you would certainly want maybe Stark and Becky in the ladder match, but we'll see. Or or Becky in a singles match is that better use of Becky? Yeah, I just man, Sonya Deville and Natalia beating these two next week would be uh The result doesn't matter though; they can come up with whatever way to you know have it happen. Rollins and Styles versus Finn Balor and Damian Priest is the main event, and they tease that it's going to be Priest and Dominic, but that allows for Balor to jump Rollins and reveal he is teaming with Damian Priest. The surprise. 
Dominic yanks at AJ's leg to stop a phenomenal forearm, and then Priest pounces AJ over the desk. That sends us to the commercial. We come back, and Ripley is holding AJ in place for Dominic when Rollins intercedes, gets into Rhea's face, and that leads to the big pop when Rhea and Dominic are ejected. South of heaven, Rollins lands on his feet from it, goes for the superplex, but Priest rolls through into a broken arrow, and Balor's the legal man, misses the coup de grace, and eats a super kick. Styles is in, sliding knee to Balor, and the phenomenal forearm cannot connect, and then Priest lifts him up for the razor's edge, but Rollins saves with a stomp. Styles tags out, and Rollins hits another stomp, pinning Priest in 13 minutes and 13 seconds. As best buds, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles celebrate together, and then they note, you will never see us together on the same television show ever again. So a historical main event. The red tape is going back up. Yeah, that's his, this is you will never see these worlds collide ever again <laughs> or team up. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, uh, for a special occasion like tonight, why not? Uh, I thought they delivered a pretty good main event here. Uh, I was only maybe a little bit perplexed because you had a non-team basically beat your number one contenders here. Like, was it is it Balor and Priest that are the ones that are in line? Yes. Yeah. I, I thought they were going to have Balor or Priest actually beat Rollins here and set up a title match on TV because I could see Rollins certainly continuing with this fighting champion gimmick, and this would have been an easy way to set up a, a match for a Raw in a week or two. But right. no, they just yeah. went with giving you know Rollins his big first win on television and... And yeah, and doing it with the uh, the the combination like they didn't even obviously they did not want to beat Dominic. Yeah, he could have been thrown in here and been the sacrificial lamb to like AJ gets his win back on Dominic. But obviously they don't want to do that. They don't want Dominic losing. I guess not. Um, Or at least they just wanted that spot of like, you know, everybody thinking that, that you're getting Dominic and then you're actually not. But, you know, much of this episode was about like a victory like sort of celebration for Seth Rollins and to have him stand tall at the end of the night, holding his championship belt along with AJ Styles was the the appropriate visual. Um, Ultimately, I just, you know, have still have concerns about how much they're really caring about this tag team division when they're just so freely like beating up your number one contenders like this, but it was a fun match. What are the chances of Dominic winning the money in the bank briefcase? Very good. I think. Yeah, I kind of he, like it as an idea. He, the gimmick is perfect on him, but he's going to be a guy that I don't think he doesn't seem like he's a world champion. Type. Even in the new but, system? I don't think so. Like you mean with Seth? Yes. Not yet. I don't see that yet. Not I feel th- this is a title you can you can bounce around uh, with a lot more ease. Like this this introduces the idea that we can get back to having like a Miz holding a title and it's I don't think uh, they want that though. They, they they I mean they probably want this title to feel just as big as the other one, right? I I see Dominic at a night I see level. Mm, but you know, the briefcase would be a great gimmick for him. Sure. So Raw was a overall show. I thought a good crowd overall on in, in Albany and mm-hmm. A, a pretty good show coming out of Night of Champions on, on the show. And um, other than that, um, you obviously did not like the idea of beating Balor and Priest in the main event, which is understandable because you are trying to build them up. But um, what were yeah, the standouts on the show? Um, I I mean, I thought it was like a pretty, you know, by like average, like not to say like there were like such high highs or, or even such low lows. Um, standouts. I thought the Trish Becky segment was good, you know, with Zoe Stark. Um 
money in the bank qualifiers are just kind of what they are. You know, I mm-hmm. thought you did a good job establishing both Ricochet and Nakamura with like pretty decent matches. Um, and then what else do we have here? Yeah. A, a lot of push towards SmackDown on Friday with the Roman Reigns follow. That seems to mm-hmm. be obviously the big focus of the week and the post Night of Champions angle, wherever they go with that. And the, the thousand day celebration. Right. Which I'm looking forward to, you know, especially if like there's any sort of uh, Afa and Sika involved and what's the next big chapter in this whole bloodline breakup. We will hear from you. If you want to send in a super chat, you can do so. If you are here with us live, we also have some feedback from the forum. So way, where are we going first? Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com where all of our post wrestling cafe patrons can write in with their thoughts. And let's start things off here with Jay from Colorado. I'll start here. John Jay from Colorado says there are three things, three sure things in life. Death, taxes and the wwe making a brand split meaningless within weeks of the draft aj and seth look great together but they could have easily elevated another raw star to tag with seth very true my thinking is you know they were going up against this this big nba game tonight and they felt they needed to do something outside of the ordinary and that was their best uh, option was uh, having Rollins and AJ team and this mystery of who they would face with obviously the the, the tease of the potential of it being Rhea Ripley, which they did tease throughout the show. And that's, mm. that's what they had for that, uh, that adult third hour. Right. Yeah. Muggin writes in another solid episode that filled the three hours. Well, the two qualifiers were good with Nakamura Reed being the stronger of the two. Reed came off strong in defeat. Ricochet being in the ladder match guarantees some crazy shit. Owens wearing Uso's merch was a nice bit of trolling to put the bloodline in his and Sammy's rear view. I didn't even catch that, that he was wearing. Hmm. Was he wearing a shirt? What was he wearing? Um, I'm, I didn't notice myself. I can see Chance and Carter getting primed to ultimately beat Rousey and Baszler when the time comes. I can forgive the draft being ignored by Adam Pierce mentioning the red tape to make the main event happen. A little explanation goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, with Trish and Zoe being a pair uh, going forward, does Becky pair up with Lita or someone on the roster that could use the rub, suggesting Candice LeRae? I do not think Lita needs to come back for for this. It just feels like... it. it, it that to me is the total opposite. Like This is lifting someone that needs it in Zoe Stark as opposed to going to someone from the past in Lita that we we've done that we've had that interaction we've had the match so I would prefer that Becky you either have her as this lone wolf character or she finds someone on the roster and and you insert her into this spot I certainly hope it's you know you have a lot of people who could use that spot and I don't think Lita really adds any more star power that isn't already there between Trish and Becky we know Lita's limitations in ring as well um so I I I mean storyline wise it makes sense for Lita to come back to get her revenge but I really do hope it's somebody else Okay thanks everyone for the feedback we are back on Wednesday with Rewind to Dynamite and for Cafe members, we will go live after Rewind to Dynamite chatting Dark Side of the Ring that premieres on Tuesday night on Vice TV. And again, we'll be joined by Evan Husney on Thursday. Are you looking forward to this season of Dark Side of the Ring? It has been because of, Tale of Tales from the Territories last year. Uh, it hasn't been since 2021 they've had a season. Wow. It feels like a lot longer in my head than um, I expected. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Depending on the on the subject, but, you know. Yeah, this first one I am, yes. 
Yeah, so it's it's covering Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch is uh, mm-hmm. the first episode that is coming up on Tuesday night. So that is what we will be talking about on Wednesday. And uh, you can also catch uh, from the weekend. We have our Night of Champions review. We have a big double or nothing review as well. WrestleNomics Radio going up today and a Battleground review from Braden and Davies. So WrestleNomics will actually be out on our feed tomorrow just because... Uh... Brandon was traveling and we have so much on this feed anyway. So watch for that on this feed tomorrow, but it should be up on WrestleNomics own feed right now. All right. Check out all of those shows and we will speak with you later this week. Good night. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.